Welcome to the Servants Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Call to Scent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Scent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Alrighty, well, welcome. This is Elizabeth, and it is good to be here with you today, and I appreciate you taking time to listen. I hope that you have celebrated Christmas, and I hope that it was a very nice Christmas. Um, I had delusions of grandeur. I was going to get this done prior to Christmas, and then... um, there's just no time. There's a lot to get done, is there not? And we had a nice time, a lot of family. You know, people came in, and um, it was good. It, it, it was a lot of fun. It's good to see everybody. And now we're all returning to normal. Isn't that how that works? We're all going to return to normal now. Then we had family and all the decorations. It's time to start taking those down. Family's all gone home. The leftovers are either eaten or stored or maybe frozen. I don't know. Um, are y'all making plans for New Year's Eve? That's coming up pretty quickly, you know. Um, I hope you've like, I mean, you know, I guess maybe we're leaving it all behind us and I hope that is not the case. So that is, um, kind of my point in our podcast today, that it is not the case that we are leaving Christmas behind. Let's open with a word of prayer before I get started. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the wonder and power of your salvation through the baby Jesus. By your Spirit, help us to understand what you have accomplished on our behalf and for our blessing, so that we may know you and live. Grant us also, O God, the gift of your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I have to tell a story that I have been holding on to for years because it was such a perfect illustration. I've never actually had the opportunity to use it, but several years ago... um, I don't know, three or four or five years ago. I don't know, it's been a while. But um, I was invited to somebody's house for dinner. For you know, It's been four or five years since I was invited to somebody's house for dinner. No, that's not true. Um, but four or five years ago, um, I went to, I was invited to dinner for somebody's house over the, for, coming up to Christmas, as leading up to Christmas. So I went into the local liquor store there. I know that doesn't sound right or doesn't sound nice, but I, well, you know, when you go to somebody's house, you're supposed to take wine, a bottle of wine or some flowers or something like that. And so anyway, I went in there to pick up a bottle of wine and um, I get in the line and I'm sitting there. It's just packed. The store is packed as people are buying all the liquor that they need for the coming holiday. And they want to have, um, you know, all the, I don't know, every, every, Every cashier is working, Every there's a line behind every one of them, and they're playing Christmas carols in the liquor store, right? And so as I'm standing there with my bottle of wine, and I might have even bought two, I don't know. But anyway, so I'm standing there with my bottle of wine, and I realize that I am listening to Willie Nelson 
crooning Silent Night. I mean, he's just singing Silent Night away. And it's a beautiful thing. Oh, how beautiful. And I thought, well, you know, nothing says Christmas quite like Willie Nelson singing Christmas carols in a packed liquor store. Doesn't that just resound with the Christmas spirit and the Christmas story, you know? I have to tell you, I don't mind some of the secularization of Christian of, of Christmas, and I don't mind some of the commercialization of Christian Christum, that Christmas. You know, I, I, I'm not crazy about them, but but I don't really mind it. I mean, I don't mind Santa. I don't mind Christmas trees. I don't mind lights. I do all that thing, all those sorts of things. And I don't mind that there are all sorts of people who celebrate Christian, Christmas that are not Christian. I had a Buddhist, um, I don't know, what do you call her? She did my, she did my nails, and uh, she was Buddhist, and she was not a Christian, but she celebrated Christmas all the time. She celebrated, you know, Santa Claus. I do mind, however, in contrast to that, I mind people celebrating Christmas and mocking Jesus Christ and belief in the incarnation as they do so. If you want to co- if you want to use the holiday and celebrate it for whatever, then you know that's your your choice. But to mock Christians who believe in the incarnation, believe in Jesus Christ and think Christmas is about him, well, that just seems wrong to me. I think I think in some part this is our responsi- our, our fault, our responsibility, you know. I mean, how much do we know about Christmas? I mean, when 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 we do all our decorations, how much of it's about Jesus? When we plan all of our affairs um, for the for the month, how much of it is about Jesus? Um, how much how much do we even understand about what God did in the incarnation of Jesus Christ? I mean, do we know really? You know, the other day I was looking at a um, some post on social media, and I have decided that my New Year's resolution is going to be to give up social media because it just makes me crazy. I did not know people could be that stupid. But anyway, so I, I digress, excuse me. But I saw this post, and it said the birth date, and it's from, you know, some daddy atheist or whatever, big daddy atheist, daddy big atheist, whatever. Um, the birth date of baby Jesus was never known. Romans celebrated the birthday of Sol Invictus on the 25th of December. Sol Invictus was a sun god. J.C. is a son of God. The church adopted the 25th December for their Messiah, just so they could adopt the celebrations. Okay, now he he thinks he said something really smart here. I'm not sure. I mean, it's like he's made some really important point, it sounds like, but I'm not sure what it is. I can't, I can't tell. I mean, what is he saying? He's saying something about Jesus being the Christian's Messiah and a son of the sun god or something like that, or because Christians wanted to party with the Romans, they were, you know, going to, they made um, his his birth date December the 25th so they could participate in the party. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what he's saying. And it says it was never known. I'm pretty sure his mother knew when he was born. We may not have the date correctly, but I'm pretty sure his mother knew, could, could tell you exactly the day he was born. Um, you know, I, I'm not, I mean, the man doesn't even make any sense. He means that the Son of God could be the Son of any God because apparently he has, I mean, for the local Christians there at the time, he could be the Son of any God. We'll just make him the Son of the Son God because we want to party with Romans and stuff. Apparently he had no knowledge of the Father. But if the goal of Christians celebrating on, on December the 25th was to uh, participate in the Roman celebration, then why would you bother being Christian at all? I mean, you know, irrespective of the date of Jesus' birth, whether we know it or not, the question is, what is the logic in, in saying, well, they really wanted to do the Roman celebration, therefore they, um, they, they made that Jesus' birthday? So they really weren't committed to Jesus, they were just committed to partying. Is that what the story is? And I fear sometimes we Christians kind of convey that. Do y'all know who Sol Invictus is? Do you know what that means in, in, in 
I guess Latin. Anyway, means unconquered son. You know, it's celebrated on December the 25th by the Romans, I assume, because I'm not a Roman and I wasn't there. But um, it is, I believe. Scholars debate whether or not the uh, whether or not Sol Invictus was really the sun god of the Romans, whether or not that's the one they worship. They may have just worshipped Sol, and uh, Sol Invictus may have been an, uh, is believed to be a Syrian god, actually. But even if they worship the sun, that doesn't mean anything about Jesus. It doesn't say anything. Um, the calendars, like the guys even thought about this, Are the, does he realize the calendars are completely different? That Julius Caesar um, had set the calendar in 45 B.C., and... It ran until 1582 A.D. That's the Julian calendar is what it is. We use the Gregorian uh, calendar. It's the, wide, it's the most widely used calendar in the world today, but it is the Christian calendar, and it's, it's based on Jesus' birth. You know, um, But we haven't used the other one in, I don't know, 450 years somehow. Anyway, the other day I was listening to a, um, a scholar talk about it, and I couldn't find the reference. I'd give anything, but he was talking about the birth of Jesus, and he said that the date of the birth was certain. And again, I'd give anything to find the reference to it, but um, the date, you know, was not uh, is not the big news. To, in my opinion, it's not the big news anyway. But anyway, the the scholar was saying that. Uh, based on Daniel 7, he calculated the exact year. You could calculate the exact year, which is why there were so many messiahs about that time. Uh, we talk about, oh, there are all these other people who are claiming to be the messiah. Well, that's because, based on Daniel 7, you ought to go read it. It's really fascinating. Um, but And I'm not going to pretend that I can explain it all to you. I was hanging on trying to figure out everything he was saying. But anyway, December, he was talking about the exact year, and that's why you had so many messiahs at that time. But he went on to explain a Jewish tradition of the time that had to do with the birth of a prophet or something other like that and different things. And he said, based on these different traditions or whatever, December 25th was almost certainly the date of Jesus' birth. I wish I could find it because it was really interesting. I thought, wow, I have never heard that before. I did not know that. But frankly, I don't think it's all that important when he was born, what the actual date was. I don't think it makes any difference. You know, if you learn um, nothing else from Genesis 1... I want you to learn this. What Genesis 1 does is it announces and it proclaims to all the world that our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, created all the other gods being worshipped, whether it's the sun or the moon or the rain or the thunder or the animals, the sea creatures, even fertility. Yeah, I know you'll hear, oh, well, every religion has its own creation story. Well, that's certainly true. Everybody has to know where they came from. You know, if you want to come from the primordial sludge, that's your choice. But anyway, or the Big Bang, whatever, but... Anyway, we have um, every religion has its own creation story. And in the Abrahamic religions, that would be Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, right? The account of creation is that our God created all of their gods. That's a really important detail. But if you look at Genesis 1, our God created all of their gods. Anyway, I'll return to this. Let's go back to the birth date. I'm not entirely sure why the exact date matters. Again, I think that's majoring in the minors, really. We're quibbling over the date, and we miss the incarnation of the sun. Who, what difference does it make what exact date it is or why they picked that date? I mean, I think we can find out. I think that information is available to us, and, and it's not irrelevant, but it's certainly not the most important thing. You know, do we, do, you know, do, do, what I do think is important as Christians is that we not be intimidated by nonsense, like what that man was spouting. He, you know, he, when we say nonsense, there is no sense. It means none, not, non-existent, whatever. 
And it's dressed up as knowledge. And we need to be able to tell the difference. What I think is far more important that we understand what about what God was doing, actually doing, in the Incarnation. That is what is important for us to understand. What did God do in the Incarnation? And I think that is far more important than the date on which he was born. You know, when we celebrate Christmas, we have this sweet baby boy laying in the manger, and he's cuddly, and he's non-threatening. He's also very undemanding. I've noticed that he's non-demanding, you know. Um, you know, but that's not what Christmas is, and it's certainly not what happened in the resurrection. I mean, excuse me, in the resurrection, it's certainly not what happened in the incarnation. You're pretty sure nothing happened in the resurrection in, in, the, in the manger, I'm pretty sure. But anyway... Christmas is not about a sweet baby boy and cuddly, non-threatening, non-demanding, you know, Christianity. That's not what Christmas is, and that is not what happened in the resurrection. All right, so if we are not going to think about um, Jesus as just a sweet baby boy in a manger someplace, and we're not going to sing little happy songs about that or whatever, if he's non-threatening, cuddly little baby, what are we going to think about Jesus as? What are we going to think about um, the, the Incarnation. What does it mean to say that God became incarnate? I want to read a quote to you. It's an extensive quote. It's from Father Stephen DeYoung. Now, Stephen DeYoung is, a, is, is an incredible scholar, and he's probably the best biblical scholar I have ever, um, have ever come across. And, and, and I'm no authority on biblical scholars, but I've read enough of them to know that his knowledge of, an, of ancient Judaism, his knowledge of you know, the Old Testament, his ability to speak those languages and read sources in that time period, help him to understand the New Testament in ways that I have never uh, seen clearly before. He, Christianity makes more sense after he finishes describing stuff than any biblical scholar I've ever come across, that's for sure. But anyway, he has this quote on the Incarnation. I want to read it to you. He said, What we miss is what Christmas is actually about, which is about the Incarnation. And to have the Incarnation, we have to understand quite simply that Jesus is God, Right? We all say that that's true, but it doesn't tend to be how we think of him. It doesn't tend to be the image of him that we have in our heads, which is very human and almost cuddly. It's not that Christ isn't human. He is. But he is not a human. He's not just a human person like us who happens to be nicer and gentler and kinder and more loving than we. He is all of those things, but that's not all he is. He isn't Mr. Rogers, which is whom I just described. Christ is the God who created the universe. Christ was there in the time before time with his Father. Through him and for him, his Father created everything that exists, including us. And when he comes in the incarnation, when he's born in a cave, he's coming, he's invading the creation that's fallen prey to the demonic forces to start the battles that are going to lead to this great victory and his enthronement with all authority in heaven and on earth from, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. That's who Jesus is. That's who shows up as a tiny infant in a cave. And until we reckon with that and learn to stand in awe before that and not try to reduce it to one thing or another, something we can hang our hat on, something we can control in our mind, something we can manipulate, something we can be comfortable with, until we just stand in awe and worship before it, then we haven't understood the Incarnation and we don't understand what Christmas is actually about. That is the story to which you and I belong. We belong in that one, y'all. It is the celebration of the one who is coming to reclaim creation from the evil one. 
You know, we, we worship a tiny baby who existed before time and who created all that is. Everything that exists, you and me, everything that exists, that, was, that all came from him and through him. You know, and it's fine with me if Willie wants to sing, record hint, Christmas hymns to be played in the in the liquor store. I guess it's fine. It's okay. You know, I mean, it's okay if the world turns all of, of Christmas into a profit-making commercial extravaganza. But we must always remember that is not who we are. We are not those people. We are the ones who stand in awe before the manger and look at him. We worship and adore the one who destroys death, the one who conquers evil. That is who we are. We are the ones who stand there and worship and adore the one who will establish his kingdom and his rule forever and ever one day. You know, this truth is at the heart of all Christian faith. And it's not sweet and cuddly. In fact, it's nothing short of the reclamation of the whole of creation, whether it's the sun or the moon, the animals, the birds, the fish, whatever it is. This, that, that's what began at Christmas. That's what began there in the incarnation. When God became man in a tiny little fragile baby, he became man to, to conquer and defeat all evil. You know, and, and we need to bear that in mind. You know, that, that, that he's going to rule forever over everything. And we need to be in awe before that. And we need to remember in addition to that. We need to remember that as the apostle said, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is who Jesus came to do battle with. And that is who, as his, as his disciples, that is who we do battle with as well. We do not do battle against other human beings. Christ was born and the battle was engaged, and that is what happened at Christmas. And to follow Christ and to be part is to be part of that battle. It is not a battle against human beings. Christ came to save human beings, not to condemn them. No, the battle is against the powers of darkness, the forces of evil that will not prevail in our world. And that is what we signed up for as Christians. Oh, I want to be a part of that. Did you know that? Did you understand that? Because our only other choice is darkness. You know, and so many of us signed up for something that was comfortable, something that would encourage us and make us feel better, something that would, that would, you know, give us a sense of confidence during bad times or promise us life after this life or whatever. And um, that we'd sit on a cloud and wear angel wings or whatever naive idea we have. But these things are not the reality of what the scriptures say. You know, the battle is against the powers of darkness. And that's who we are to be fighting unless we want to be part of the darkness ourselves. And sometimes I think we're guilty of that just by a failure to, to know and to understand. You know, we are on the winner's team, just for the record. In the end, the war has been won, okay? But we need to now be learning the skills and to use the skills to struggle against evil ourselves. If you want to be a child of God, if, you want, if we want to be born as children of God, then we need to look again at the baby in the manger and who that really is. Because who that really is, is the one who, let me see, he's invading the creation that's fallen prey to the demonic forces to start the battles that are going to lead to this great victory and his enthronement with all authority in heaven and on earth from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. That is who Jesus is. That's who shows up as a tiny infant in a cave. You know, we need to be in awe of how God did that. 
Because it's completely the opposite of how we try to win anything. We want to rent, win with our own power, our own might, our own wisdom. But God invaded with a baby. He became incarnate in a baby. We need to let the Messiah invade our own lives. Let him invade your life, the Messiah. Christmas is not over because the battles go on until Christ returns in final and full victory over evil, until he's prepared the time is coming and right for him to reign with all authority on heaven and earth. You know what? I think for Christmas you ought to give yourselves, or we all ought to give ourselves, the gift of freedom. We need to be free from a controllable God, a small little God. We need to be free from the little God of high esteem. Okay, we need to be free from the cartoon God of contemporary culture, this caricature that people paint of God. And we need to be free from the God who makes us comfortable in the middle of our own sin. You know, we need to be free from that. And we need to take that freedom and bow before the tiny baby. We need to worship him. And we need to join his cause. Because we are his cause. All human beings are his cause. The salvation and the redemption of the whole creation are his cause. That's what his cause is. The celebration's not over. In fact, it's all just begun. That's what happened at the, at the incarnation. And it begins in you in this generation. You need to engage the battle. Let him invade your heart and your mind and your whole being. Let's close with a prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people, to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your spirit for our rebirth. Yes, yes, Lord. But also to give us the courage to follow you to blessing in life and also into battle against the forces of evil that seek to destroy this generation in which we live. Walk with us, guide our steps, and strengthen our spirits with your light and love until we dwell fully in your life. These things we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Y'all start getting ready for battle. You hear? Talk to you soon. Bye. You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.